0: Today we have with us Tejas Kotha. He's a fifth year at D. Bangalore, pursuing his
1: Integrated Masters of Technology in Electronics and Communication. He has been instrumental in the creation of clubs, committees, and various other initiatives for the college community. Tadex D. Bangalore is his brain and is most definitely has come a long way just like his other initiatives. He has been the mentor for our team and has been pivotal in the creation of this podcast.
2: He
0: emphasizes on the importance of interacting and networking with people and also contributing to the community.
1: There's more than just a few lessons to take away from this podcast and we hope you get to learn from them. Hello Tejas.
0: Yeah. Hi Nikhil, hi Shias. Hi hi. What's
1: oh. up? What's up Tejas? Hi, how are you?
0: <laughs> how the turntable, sir? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just having fun. There's a lot of work and I'm immersed in a lot of work i'm trying to procrastinate but deadlines so
1: what work what work are we talking about
0: currently i have to you know submit the grades for the machine learning course so i've been grading a lot of assignments and also have been applying to a ton of colleges so have been writing sops and you know finding colleges
2: okay so i heard you are also applying for phd so where is this
1: coming from?
0: I don't know. Like, uh, see, it's very interesting because uh, throughout, like, uh, throughout my childhood, I had a dream of applying for management schools and doing maybe MBA or management courses. But uh, you know, the the kind of uh, courses we are offered at to Bangalore, I mean, it just pushes you beyond the corporate world, and uh, there was some. Uh, some push with the HSS courses, especially with uh, Professor Bidisha and uh, Professor Shridhar's, you know, coordination. I just felt that MBA might not be the right path because you know you're just blazing through the topics just to fit in the corporate world. But I rather, I thought maybe PhD would give a little bit clarity as well as the depth in whatever I like. So I think. That actually pushed me to think about it at least I didn't think I was worthy of a PhD student because I didn't have those uh, traditional 3.7 3.8 grades so I didn't really think about it that much but you know I've been looking at uh, universities in Jura, and also I've been talking to professors and they said it's pretty decent for my kind of work so I thought, let me just apply for a few colleges and see how it goes. I don't have any hopes, but I mean, I have time. So let's, why not?
1: I think that sort of uh, uh, reminds me of, um, we were talking about how I never expected that uh, like your paths would actually uh, sort of converge into the area of academia and research at any point of time. And I think even you never uh, envision yourself to be in such an area four or or five years down the road when you join college, I guess. Uh, And that sort of tells me that, you know, four or five years of college life can actually seriously change how, uh, you know, what a person wants to do and what he ends up doing. So in the sense, uh, when you join college, what, uh, what what did you have in mind and what did you, what, what what you wanted to do and and how has that changed over the last 4 5 years so
0: i think uh, so if uh, if my uh, you know my ambitions towards college may be a bit different from others because uh, you have to go and like uh, look at the past so maybe from around ninth, 10th class onwards uh, there was this pressure on to preparing for iitj and, you know, a lot of, uh, I met a lot of counselors and parents who, whose kids were in IITs. And you know, there was this uh, stigma. Uh, I mean, uh, they forced on me saying, you know, if you study for these four years, you know, you, you would be classified as nerdy, but at the end of the day, when you go to college, you will have time to explore your personality and develop your personality. So... That was my main aim while going to a college. I, I was adamant about the fact that I have to be active in college life and cultural life in the college to make friends and, and have that network. So beyond that, I didn't really have, say, a career-wise goal saying, you know, I have to do this. I have to do that because I left that, uh, that decision of my life. A later stage, like once I join college, I'll figure it out what I want to do. I think that kind of helped me not to stick around with just coding or not to stick around with just uh, one concentration. I was open enough to kind of explore all that the college had to offer. And I think it's a blessing as well as a boon because you know, you get to explore, but you're a little bit uncertain even at this point in life. But that's a conscious decision I made. I think.
1: So, as such, uh, you joined the college as an E.C. student. I think uh, that wasn't in your hands. <laughs> but uh, yes, we did join as E.C. As E.C. students. And um, but uh, I think um, I think we sort of changed our uh, uh, narrative of what we want to do in campus. And I think yours sort of shifted into sociology. And uh, and and I think more than sociology, it was specifically oriented towards um, policy making, I guess. And and how did this transition occur? Like, was it your work with Sridhar, sir, which influenced you or was it something else?
0: So I think uh, more than Sridhar, sir, I think, uh, as you mentioned, we didn't really have a choice uh, of selecting my majors. And, you know, so I was offered a seat in EC, I took EC, I took IIIT Bangalore because I thought it was one of the better colleges, which I had an option. And so when I joined, I thought maybe, yeah, I'll, I'll do it because I really like the electricity and static electric uh, electricity courses in 11th and 12th. But uh, coming to the college environment and, you know, the the EC courses that were offered, I, I, I just felt that it is it was not the right fit for me. Uh, so I, I never really thought of it as uh, a thing I would pursue because I was obviously failing. So I had to choose something for myself, and and one of the things which I think what the HSS courses and you know digital society courses offered were the breadth so I have moved around different parts of the country and you know so since childhood I was way more interested in social studies than science and maths so it kind of made sense that you know I would put immerse myself into those sort of societal topics so I think uh, the first project which I did with with Professor Sridhar was a net neutrality which was which was really up-and-coming topic that time because the FCC had passed had ruled against uh, net neutrality in US and in India there were a lot of recommendations going on. So it it was it was right in the middle of what was happening in the country. So I think that relevance made me made me interested and you know it was something which I was doing and I think I could see the impact and soon after. Professor Bidisha's courses actually made us think and ask certain questions, which we really knew they existed, but we didn't really know how to ask them or answer them. And that was very intriguing because it was very interactive and like we could bring perspectives, not just from the academic part of it, but you know, the movies, the books, the TV shows, and all. It was very refreshing to have that in a college like that. So I just took those courses and eventually I just wanted to work in those fields. And it just happened without me trying so much. I think that I think would be how I see it because we've done AIML courses, but then also I kind of felt bored after a point because I didn't really want to do research I was not really I'm not really good at maths I mean I navigated through all of them and I found the seed spot where I could contribute not just to the class but to the community as well so I think that really made made it clear for me that these are the kind of courses I want to do these are the co- kind of courses I will do so it just fit right in
1: and i think you briefly did touch about um, how uh, research is something what usually people don't think about because of either the gpa or, or something but um uh, but you got a research internship at alto and uh, i wanted you to maybe talk give your opinion on the whole elitist narrative which is there about uh you know uh, getting into research and the the whole uh, the domain and is uh, is the whole outset of what uh, academic research and industrial research is and how people get into it is it uh, is it being gatekept by uh, by students and professors in terms of what the requirements are do you think um, do you think there is some form of gatekeeping going
2: on
0: so just back me up on this. Or whenever you feel like but i think what really happens over here is you know when they talk about these uh, uh research internships you're needing to have 3.8 3.9 gpa i think that makes sense for or uh, really popular domains like artificial intelligence or crypto or all these direct scientific or uh, research communities but there is a lack of interest or i would say little lack of students who are applying to or, or who are trying to understand say the kind of work you are doing in HCI or the kind of work which I do where we're just looking at technology from a societal perspective. So it really depends on uh you know where you want to end up. And also the thing is in India we say that, you know, Marx reflect what the student is but i think uh especially in europe that's not the case if you have good amount of volunteering experiences coupled with relevant co-curricular activities and you know you are an all round student i think that is more impactful for them rather than having a student with higher gpa And that's very much evident when you look at uh, master's applications or PhD applications. I think research internships, maybe, maybe not because a lot of people don't go into that while doing their IM tech or B tech. But I think, uh, yeah, so having a low GPA might close a few doors for you, but there are really good opportunities even while you have a low GPA and you are a good overall all-rounded student
1: yeah i think um i've never been like exactly interested in the area of uh, academic research because because of primarily the 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 verbosity of uh, uh academic writing uh but beyond that i think the work is uh, definitely very interesting and um I think the whole um, the outset of uh, what you know research exactly looks like, which is writing research papers and uh, uh, being and 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 the whole fact that you uh, going into research is something uh, reserved for people who are uh, who have extreme academic uh, excellence in their uh, first year and second years. Or like their entire bachelors or uh, uh, their co- their uni life. I think that is not a uh, good representative of uh, most researchers, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's nothing what we can do to change it. Uh, but I think awareness is all we can do in that sense.
2: Yeah. So, as you already
1: mentioned that like, just recently, I just, you know, realized that you can you know, even apply for research. But before that, we had plans for maybe industry or, you know, getting your MBA.
2: Yeah.
1: So, that still creates a great confusion for you. You know, what's next for you? What do you think is going to happen?
0: Uh, see, there was always this thing going on in my mind that after I had two masters in management or so, I might end up doing a PhD. You know, so I don't know is is it just the mentality of uh, being in academia and you know exploring few topics in depth, but uh, I think I have a good chance at one of the PhD programs. Okay. So fingers crossed, and maybe
1: after that I would end up
0: in industry at some point
1: so sort of taking it uh, taking the uh conversation away from academics which we usually talk about to uh something which uh which you're quite passionate about uh, which is photography and i wanted to ask not the generic part which is you know what interests you and why you like it but i wanted to explore the whole um appeal versus storytelling uh uh, debate about what do you think is more important in your opinion which is the uh the raw uh beauty of what you capture versus the the story behind it
2: right so i i personally believe that you know,
0: both of them can coexist, but you know, in even even in genres which are say landscape photography, where you're basically clicking a picture of a uh, scene, right, a scenic beauty. If there is a subject, if there's a human, it just like puts the icing on top of the cake. So, in that sense, a subject, I believe is really important for a photo or for a good story and yeah so I, I personally believe or I want to be at a stage where I could click some street shots where, you know just, uh, just capturing life or say uh, you know picking up stories but currently I'm not at that stage but I definitely want to be
1: there yeah, it sort of makes sense that uh, you can take both of them at the same time. Although I think a lot of um, complex narratives sort of come from very simple-looking photos. And um, I think um, the picture which you submitted for uh, the I think the recent competition which we had uh, an internal competition, what Tripedia we hosted, I think. Um, on the outset, uh, the picture looked quite simple. You know, there was nothing quite um, you know uh, like high contrast uh, tones or, uh, or something uh, or some unique style of uh, photography. There, it was a simple, uh, a simple, picture of a man on his cycle, I believe, on the road. Yeah, and I think. Um, uh, so 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 i think i think there the the motive for capture i think wasn't trying to get a good shot but i think it was something else uh, yeah maybe so talk a bit more about that
0: so yeah so i in my experience actually what happens with me and my instagram is whenever i do something complex or i try something new in terms of say you know, I'm doing some home. I mean, homework in the sense. I'm making a scene out of what I have currently, or you know, I'm just setting up an artificial environment, or I'm using some complex techniques. I never really get that much attention. Yeah, time and again, I've been, I've been ranting about it that you know people don't appreciate the effort I put into the photo. But at the same time, if you look at those photos, they really don't. Uh, look as appealing. Maybe they have the complexities of photography and you know all the techniques and laws being followed, but it's not natural. So that particular photo which you're talking about, I had no intentions of doing anything with it. Uh I personally, you know, whenever I go to groceries, I click a couple of pictures just for like, you know, seeing just for like capturing like day-to-day life. And I think that was one of them. And i sincerely didn't think i would submit it for a photography competition because because it was very simple and but if you look at the photo itself that's the reality and and that i mean in an instant connects with whoever the audience is wearing a mask you know doing their daily chores i think that's everyone's life and they see some humanity in it and that that just makes them like it a little bit more
1: and um and sort of taking that uh beyond photography uh you have been i think um i don't know when it happened but you picked up video editing uh at some point of time i think at second in the second year or third year i guess i don't even know how that happened but um that was that was something which happened and then and then there's the uh, the academic research and the technical competitions we have been to. So, uh, so, so, what do you think is you know is what's your take on the jack of all trades, master of none, or master of some uh, complex? You know, what do you think students should have and students should oh, sort of look forward to?
0: i think uh, i think the uh, jack of all trades master of none is relevant to whoever the person is i mean there is no man who has gained or grasped enough knowledge in say their own particular fields so i think the way i have been brought up was at least in my childhood i had good amount of exposure to all kinds of works through, I mean, you know, I do submit some charts, make some models, make some presentations, make some videos, whatnot. And I think what's really important over there is the fact that you have some basic knowledge to get started in anything you might ever be interested in. So a lot of academic research also is moving towards multidisciplinary approach or interdisciplinary uh, research right so you can't be stagnant or you can't be adamant about learning just one particular skill i think you should be open to you know open to try out things which come your way and i'm really grateful that i got the opportunity to be part of those many things in my school life and in my college life because Wherever I go, I'm a little bit resourceful in the sense I don't really have to depend on say a designer or video editor, say a photo editor, a photographer or someone to make the slides, someone to write the code. But yeah, I think it, it just makes sense to have some basic necessary skills in all of them. But you can have depth in a few of these and I mean, a person has enough amount of time to delve into all those things. I'm, I'm just uh, struggling with a lot of these things. But yeah, I think that's the case with any other person. Right. I think,
1: uh, I think these skills are something which people are supposed to have. Um, uh, I won't say you know be. Uh, I mean, you should be as I mean, you know as good as casey nice that if you want to be if you want to know how how video editing or or be a graphic designer if you want to me know how to make posters i mean i think uh, uh, having a decent sense of what is uh, you know how things are supposed to be in video editing or when you're making posters i think that is more than more than sufficient and that sort of takes me to um you know uh, you always talk about how. I mean, I uh, I don't know. I think it's just a thing in me where I like having these dedicated tools and like you know all these or trying out these new tools for you know all kinds of stuff. But I see you always falling back to PowerPoint for doing your stuff. And,
2: yeah. Uh, I yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know. Maybe I think maybe it is powerful, but I don't know why, why PowerPoint.
0: So here's the thing. <laughs> so I was introduced to PowerPoint in I think first grade and since then i've been using powerpoint so i'll tell you something i even had a business in like third or fourth class where i used to make ppt's for students in other sections and you know take 30 rupees 40 rupees for the summer projects and stuff so uh, in that sense i was really passionate about powerpoint but at the same time i used to do movie, movie maker i i had a, a bit of experience with photoshop Uh, Also, uh, like when I was in sixth or seventh. But the thing is, I always say that PowerPoint is enough to get you whatever you need, at least at a college level. In the sense, it has all those tools which you probably might require or use in, say, Photoshop or Illustrator. Now, I'm not just saying that... you use only PowerPoint, but the fact is, I use Illustrator in combination with PowerPoint in the sense whatever elements from, say, a graphic or SVG file I have to pick, I would just copy them and drag them onto PowerPoint. And then PowerPoint is uh, intuitive in the sense a child of class two or three can make their own presentations. So if someone's ever complaining that, you know, you don't know Photoshop or Illustrator, I think that's random bullshit. You know, there are just techniques. You just have to just select those items which you need and you just paste it over here and then you move however you like. I I mean, the problem, what a lot of people don't realize is that the problem is not in the complexity of the tools, but there process of coming up with an idea I think they are really they're less confident about what they want to make that's why they push it on to the complexity of the tools just I think uh, decouple that and just say here I present it uh, present an easy tool to you now do it they'll be forced to do it. And that is what I've been trying, saying. You don't have to use PowerPoint or Photoshop. If you want to make minimalistic posters, just, just paint a page red and then you know type whatever text you want in a good font. I think that's, that's enough to make a good poster. You don't have to do all the crazy shit. Whoever wants to try something, which is out of their comfort zone they could start with some basic basic tools and then maybe at some point if they need they can they can take help for say adobe illustrator photoshop and all those and that we see that very commonly in our, in our campus I, I don't know why that's the case but we are all computer programmers and you know coders and stuff we should be able to figure out that name as photoshop or
2: illustrator
1: for the fact yeah yeah i think i remember uh uh when we were trying to make this montage style uh, uh video for tedx uh a promo video for tedx i think um i think we all are familiar with uh apple's uh, recent ad adverts where um, they have a montage style uh 60 second or 40 second or a 120 second summary of what they announced recently and it's just like a series of frames which just come, and they just you know they just talk about some stuff. And we wanted something like that, and uh, I wasn't, I didn't know you know what would and how can we do that. I mean, it it seemed complex to me, but turned out like they just I mean he explained us that uh, just putting them on slides and just you know you know recording it at and setting the timing between each frame each slide can actually work and you know i mean uh, we were able to make that and uh, it sort of tells you you know that that yes i mean tools uh, are complex and um, sometimes you might have the idea and uh, you might not know how to implement them or um, it might be the other way around but i think um I mean being tool agnostic is uh, I think uh, it makes more sense where it doesn't matter what tool you're working on because uh, as long as the tool has um, things and the affordances present to make something it it's, it's work, it works out and I think PowerPoint has everything has most of the stuff what you what a basic uh, student from campus would need and I think it works out
2: pretty good for them.
0: Yeah I think uh, so So I'll tell you how I got to know about that tool. So in sixth class, so we in our school, uh, no. So uh, even if you go to your, uh, uh, the channel list on your television, you would see a channel, I forgot its name. So we had to submit uh, animated ads for that when we were in fifth and sixth class. So that time, I think one of my seniors made a really a really good animation out of PowerPoint. And I was like, I have to beat that. I have to uh, top that. So I think the video part of it came, came then. But at the same time, PowerPoint has grown a lot since, since uh, I think the 2003 version, which I had used uh, back then. But more importantly, if you can see the same analogy, you know, We say a lot of times when we are doing, uh, when people are doing CP problems, they say, "You know, you should be clear with the logic. The programming language doesn't matter that much. Uh, So you can you can do the same thing in Java, C, Python." So I think that that same replicates to
2: every other aspect of creative process. Uh, That sort of reminds me,
1: uh, there's there's a designer called Pablo, and uh, he recently made a TikTok uh, about um, two famous, I think, um, two of the top most uh, uh, UX design tools, uh, Sketch and Figma. And uh, I think um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think... yeah.
0: I remember they were going to propose and something like that, right? Right,
1: right. That was that was that was quite interesting. And and i even Figma and Sketch Twitter Twitter account sort of uh, you know sort of got involved, and it's quite interesting. That just tells you how this 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 war it's the sketch Figma war i think people in history will remember this war i guess i don't know what will happen and i will just put a link to that uh, in the, the transcript yeah. in the podcast transcript i guess It's quite an interesting TikTok. and i think um, i mean i think the podcast would be incomplete if we don't uh, talk about uh, your network with alumni and seniors and yeah. that is something which uh, I've always looked up to you in terms of uh, that skill of networking with people and uh, students and seniors, which I've never personally been able to do it. Uh, I mean, like, uh, I think you have a really good uh, connection with people who have passed out from campus way before we even entered the campus. And at the same time, the juniors who just entered. And I mean, uh, uh, and I think uh, that that's that's quite fascinating. And why is it networking? Why is networking so important for you? And and like, why do you think it's it's important for even for students in general?
0: So yeah, so see, making or meeting new people still terrifies me. I think the thing. Which allows me to do all that you just mentioned is the fact that I have an identity within Triplicate Bangalore, which I could leverage. So if I'm meeting someone else, you know, if I have to introduce who I am, I am clueless. I'm I'm as clueless as any other person because I personally classify myself as an introvert in the sense there are only very few people who really know the real me, if we would say. But the thing is, so when I was in 11th and 12th, I got bullied and, you know, it was really harsh environment uh, for me who came from North. And I had a weird accent. I I didn't really know anyone. It was the first time in hostel and there was a lot of bullying. There was a lot of bragging. And I was on a mission to, so when I came to Triple IT Bangalore, I was on a mission to make good friends and have a good, good circle and invest time in those people and what really happened yeah so i think that kind of pushed me to want to explore and i i constantly pushed myself to be out there i was participating in activities and the circle just grew because i think it's the dedication i put into the the work because I had to create an identity where people would kind of respect me and uh, for me to not have the same fate as I had in 11th and 12th, I had to put an effort to be a little bit serious about my personality or the kind of work I do. And that attracts people and you don't really have to put a lot of effort into it. You just, you just be kind, have a smile on your face. I think or that itself attracts you the most and you know as we were kind of uh, pursuing different things in college it's just, it's it was just the nature of work that put me in touch with people and and just the immense knowledge which which i've been gaining you know i look at my batchmates who don't have those many interactions as i do they're even clueless about what's happening in the college. And I feel that's that's not a stage I would like myself to be. I want to be aware of things which are happening. I want to be uh, present at the moment. So I think that kind of uh, mentality which I developed actually helped me be out there and you know, talk to people. And I have this compulsive or... Uh, uh, compulsive nature that you know people should like me and people should know me and I think that pushes me to be to face those un- uncomfortable situations if if they are or whatever that be I just I just have to meet people and also the thing uh, so during Infinite I I mean I met my girlfriend and you know so I had good connections with their patch and eventually, I just the network, the sort of weak ties, just grows beyond beyond your imagination. So I think it, a lot of it goes to my nature that you know people should know me and I should know people, and and that happens mostly through your dedication or through your responsibilities of which you have and how well you do them. And it just creates a whole cycle so you don't have to put that much
2: effort into say uh, knowing people or talking to them. It it just happens. Right, right. One thing about connections is that our alumni community
1: has been, you know, growing a lot and we had this amazing alumni fest called Sangam this year and it was very equivalent to a cultural fest in Double But yeah. I wanted to know how is it growing?
0: So the kind of alumni network we at ReplyTe Bangalore have is not that active, I would say. So when I joined alumni committee, I I said it to Roshni ma'am that ma'am, the state of things, uh I mean the kind of work which has been done so far by alumni committees or by the institute. I don't think I would come back to the college or I don't think that I would like uh, the same treatment for myself if I graduate from the university, right? So in that sense, whenever I'm in a meeting of uh, of the alumni committee or the council, I just put forth whatever I feel that should be there for an alumni which should be provided from an institute's perspective. So once the institute starts treating the alumni with the same amount of importance and respect, which it gives to the current students, I think a lot of things will change. The failure that we fail to collect donations or we uh, have low interactions from the alumni perspective, uh, initially comes from the point that the institute or the committee hasn't put enough efforts into knowing what the alumni needs you you may do a lot of things uh, which may help the alumni but if those are not the things which the alumni aren't expecting they are the waste right so my main goal was interacting with alumni knowing what they want or knowing what should be done and see and making sure when they come back to campus they you know, there has been a lot of news that Infinite and Spandan have been growing. And that's something which uh, the alumni should also deserve when they come back to campus once a day in the year. And that's what we did with Sangam. We just had enough budget to plan certain events so that they could have a great time.
2: Right, right. So this was. So Sangam has been evolved a lot that way?
1: I would say so. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I don't know, right? I just joined the college. So how was the Sangam previous year? It was good. Previous
2: to previous year.
0: It was good. Uh, previous to previous year. So it was it was way too formal, right? So they are not students of the campus anymore. They they don't want to come like from 50 kilometers. Or say from Hyderabad to come and listen to a boring lecture in a hall, and that yeah. was the that was the kind of scenario which was there two three years ago. But uh, we've seen you know they really want to meet their professors, they really want to meet their friends and the juniors in a very informal uh, event. So that's why we brought it outdoors and we had fun activities. We had we had band, we had a DJ, we had. Uh, stand-up comedy we had you know poems, dances, stories. So I think it all came back to the point that we need to have a great cultural event where alumni uh, still feel at home but at the same time
2: enjoy as the TV community is growing. Yeah. So I think uh, given that a lot of extracurricular work which uh,
1: started in campus happened after we joined the college back in 2016, uh, I think we are still at at an infancy in terms of um, what all things uh, happen at t v And I think we have reached a stage where there are a lot of things which have improved. Uh, our uh, college fests have improved a lot, and uh, I think clubs have. I won't say they're they, are, they are great, but uh, I mean I think we have reached a good. Uh, I think I think I think five years. I mean the development what we had in the last five years is pretty good. But if uh, if I ask you like two things which you think Tripadib uh, should uh, uh, should sort of focus on or Maybe it could do it differently, which would really improve, uh, I mean, s- students' uni life or um, or the general triplet triplet experience.
2: Right, so it's an interesting
0: question, and you know, uh, there have been a lot of debates about it. Some say the. I only and, want
1: two. I only want. Yeah, yeah
0: no, I'm. I'm just giving a. <laughs> no, no, the two more core. A general to... generic narrative. And then I would just give my right. perspective. So you know, there there have been a lot of discussions and debates going on in the student community, as well as as well as when I discuss with uh, Professor Chetan Parekh or Amit Prakash. The thing is, the college has been very generous about what it's offering to the uh, to the student culture. I think the amount of spending over the past three years is exponential and that kind of shows that they realize that this is important that uh, students have this kind of experience and which is very natural but at the same time there, there are a few things which the student community in our college isn't doing it right just think about this thing each year we have committee selections we have club selections and i don't see the point of it in the uh, in the sense that you know when you join a certain club or when you join I'm not saying all the committees, but there are a few committees where you could extend your stay i I don't see why we have to you know entangle that huh right. entangle that to the academic year. Why right. do we have to refresh the we- clubs and committees? Each year. Each year is supposed to be an intake for from the new students. But what we see currently is that people jump from one club to another club, one committee to another com- uh, committee, as if it's some promotion which is going on. I think they want to try some ladders, and and at the end of the day, when uh, all these things aren't even Worth something which you'll put on your resume saying you were a member of an art club or you were a member of a dance club. I mean, I mean it's it's stupid. You would say I was a member of art club for one year, then I moved to dance club for one year, then I did go to music club for one year, then I I I mean, just think about it in a sense, we have been doing TEDx for three years, and we are the only two constant people throughout this. But every year when we do these interviews or, uh, or, you know, committee selections, we ask people, why do they want to join TEDx? And everyone would say, you know, TEDx, I I want to share ideas. I want to get speakers. I want to do this work. I am amazed by the kind of work that TEDx does. And I don't know what happens within an year. I think, uh, do people think that their mission for the life or the mission... Of sharing ideas uh, is completed with just like six to seven talks a year. I mean that's just stupid. <laughs> and the other thing is we are so much into diversifying. We at at a single point we we commit to say two, three clubs, two, three committees. And I don't know why that's necessary. I mean, each committee or club can provide that all rounded experience like if you want to take up responsibility within a club or a committee which could deal with say marketing aspects logistics aspects event planning aspects they're all possible within one committee or club but we'll we see people jumping and we see people taking up you know they want to do food committee next year uh, they want to do sports com I mean, they'll be saying, I have sports com work and foot foodcom meetings and all those. If they are not able to manage it, then why do, why do they take so many responsibilities at one time? So, in that sense, we don't have a dedicated set of people for any club or committee because they are actually sharing their concentration over a wide range of things which, are which they are trying to do, apart from their social life, apart from their academic life. And it's just too much to handle and they don't they don't end up doing justice to any of these roles i think that's i think the biggest loss that we have a student community of 1000 students but yet we have like uh, 50 clubs offering 50 different things and people want to be part of a ton of shit which just goes to the breadth and depth of it and and you know no one satisfied with anything which is
2: happening in the campus do you think there is some deep reason for the same? Like, why is this happening with our campus? I think, I, uh, yeah, I think like there are two things I, th- I think pages can talk about it, which is uh, that
1: the campus is small, which means the number of people are less, which means even if the probability that X number of people will be interested in art or X number of people will be interested in debates the sample size is small so the x person into sample size gives you a very small number of people who are interested in the specific club so that is one th- issue another thing is that uh, we also should also again take into consideration the fact that most of these things started off four years back or five years back so um i mean it takes time for uh, you know clubs and all to mature and uh, it's gonna take time, but what what do you think? What do you think is
2: Yeah, so
0: that that's rightly said that it's gonna take time, but I think what's also important is that we place certain kind of rules or certain certain kind of understanding that you know people are uh, people know what they're getting into and what they want to do, and say. Just a simple rule that per semester they can take up. I think this rule was there for SAC members that you know they can't be part of any other committee, and that's that's that was there for some other committees as well, like placecom or alumni committee, and those should be reinstated for various uh, various committees or clubs mm-hmm. in the college. Mm-hmm. See, some clubs and committees, uh, I mean, some committees have a commitment period, which is very short, event-based committees. But there is significant amount of work which goes beforehand, like before doing Spandan or uh, uh, say Sangam or Infinite. And those need to be taken into consideration that it's significant amount of work if they need to put a good show. Which means that I mean, you can't say that, you know, I have uh, Spandan's work only just one week before Spandan and that uh, those three days of Spandan, but you have to look at, look at it as say a semester words commitment. Then if you look at it from that, that point of view, you would be putting more effort into whatever committee you're part of while being content with what you're doing, rather than wanting to be part of uh, any other committee.
2: Yeah, so I think uh, that's something which the students have to realize. I think that makes sense. So talking about TEDx, I really wanted to know what was that one spark
1: that led you to start TEDx?
0: For me personally, it's an interesting story because, so see, uh, Shreyas proposed the idea in first year itself. And that time, I was not really motivated to be part of it for certain reasons, which I would come to in a second. The fact is, uh, by the end of first year, Shreyas wanted to start a visual arts club. And I had my ISOC club, which uh, we were trying to start again and rebranding it as site so even though we were roommates we we were already taking up certain positions or you know taking certain clubs under our thing so I as a roommate I just didn't really want to get into what his endeavor was like he proposed TEDx I was like okay let him do it um uh, so yeah that was the case and then he asked if Uh, if I want to be part of it I was like yeah why not Uh, eventually Uh, so but I wasn't really serious Uh, so I think at the end of first year there was uh, uh, the infinite interviews which were happening so so at that time we were still having plans of you know discussing uh, TEDx with the faculty and see where that goes but at the same time I just wanted to i mean it was very uncertain so i thought maybe i'll get into infinite and see how things go there but the interviews didn't go as any of the interviews which generally happened i think i won't classify it as ragging but it wasn't the decent kind of interview which we are uh, exposed to at this point in time so i mean i i lost respect uh for the whole room that day. I mean, with many of whom I have worked throughout the first year. So when they didn't realize what was happening, I just lost the cool and I came out of that room. I called shreyas shreyas let's do TEDx. We'll show these how things are should be run. So that was my main aim that I had to show what respect and decency means. And I had to show that even though we were in first or second year, we could pull this off with a greater maturity than those guys. So I think that was my whole motivation in throughout my third second year. That uh, whenever we were doing something about TEDx, we spent a lot of time in our rooms trying to figure out things just so that sense. Ki- people know that we are putting 100% effort into what we wanted to start. Because a lot of, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of issues at that time uh, with uh, the campus politics or the student community. I don't want to put all those up front, but uh, I think the motivation there was to kind of, you know, with tedx, unlike any other club or committee, we are putting a part of a college out there you know you're you're putting out videos, which means you're you're getting people into triple community be it their speakers or audience, and we can't tolerate the same kind of uh immaturity or indecency which was happening at that point. So we were we were very thorough with what we wanted to do, and we were very thorough uh, uh, with uh, putting people in their place. Uh, that you know, we we had we were led by say, though we were the organizers and all, we had members who were senior to us to kind of guide us through the process or to kind of get us through those dilemmas or ethical issues, whichever they were. Like we had Komresh, we had Srutjna, and all these people had enormous influence because we respected them a lot, obviously, and they reciprocated that. And we didn't want to hamper that thing. So we had this constant struggle going on
2: saying, you know, we have to do a good job at uh, being the organizers. So I think uh, we have already Talked
1: a lot about. Uh, I mean, I think we collaboratively shared our experiences on TEDx uh, back in the last podcast. Uh, but I wanted to ask uh, something uh, personal about what did you learn when by after spending three years in TEDx as a mentor, as as a, as as a video editor, as speaker-curator has as, as, as different uh, designations. What, what is the final, like? what was the core takeaway for you, which I think, which sort of changed you and is something you are sort of grateful to TEDx for going forward? So,
0: yeah, I think uh, one thing which I'm uh, grateful for from the whole uh, TEDx experience is the fact that I can kind of enter any room or any other club or committee, and you know, I would have a voice which is which is heard or taken seriously just because of the fact of that you know there is certain rigor which is associated to TEDx. I've I've known or seen people getting into say Spandan or Infinite uh, because. Or, uh, you know, whoever the interviewer uh, like asks, like, you know, which committee or club you were part of before. And if they, if they say TEDx, I think people kind of uh, realize that we both or the whole TEDx uh, committee has a, has a rigor which is, uh, which is unparalleled to any other experience in the campus. So the whole, uh, the whole holistic perspective, which, or the whole rigor which TEDx offers, and especially for both of us who, who never kind of waited for someone to initiate something, or waited for someone to do their job, right? So that thing it made us ready, because we were dealing with immense amount of budget creative work or uh, you know uh, diplomatic communications with speakers and audience uh, and you know directors sir Chetan Parikh sir so it just kind of made me uh, made me personally comfortable to go into any room and and add some value to it Because we explored so many things uh, throughout these three years that I could put those experiences to use wherever I go.
2: And it's
0: not just about the decision-making process, but the whole thought process, or if I may even use the word design thinking process, we got used to it even before we knew it as a
2: concept. And that just adds value to any uh, any discussion you may have,
0: how formal or informal it may be, and it just makes you look at things from a perspective which others may not be looking at, or it it just uh, puts you in a position where you can take certain actions while keeping in mind the risks or uh, keeping in mind the the effort or the creativity required. So I think a lot of skills for you and for me brushed up during the first year of TEDx where, you know, as you said, we had to make those videos. We had to do a lot of those creative works. Which we had no other choice to, so I think we couldn't we couldn't hire a free freelancer at that point or whatnot. So we we did all of those things, and you know people talk about strengths and weaknesses, but the only way of doing a certain job is is by starting and doing it. So there is no shortcut there, and it just made me ready to to tackle any kind of
2: any kind of obstacle which may go into doing so doing tasks okay adding more to TEDx I have one question to both of you now since that you
1: both are graduating so how do you feel to move on from this this legacy that you have set in this three TEDx the bloody Bangalore chapter. It is definitely something you know. You'll always look back and see, yeah, that that is something we started. How do you feel?
2: Please just wait. What? Okay. I would I would like to hear Shreya's opinion first.
1: Honestly, we weren't uh, very satisfied with the first event. We, uh we did good for the second event but we still felt that there's a lot more to be done uh, i mean you know not to say that the event didn't go well it's just that we just felt that there is uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot more to be done in the in how the event actually happens and how we actually execute uh, the team and how the team functions and uh, i think we reached a good uh, stage with the, the third event and um, it sort of was like closure for us where we felt that we could, we felt confident, confident enough that you know we can leave the campus and be uh, have some assurance that the that the club will live on and Events will keep on happening irrespective of our involvement. Even though we will be involved in some form, and that assurance, I think, is was established over the last uh, three years, and uh, and and I think that is that's that's all I uh, I wanted. That uh, before I leave, I should have some confidence about the club. Uh, being uh, uh, being perpetual Um, uh, I
2: won't say perpetual more more like self uh, uh, self self-sufficient yeah yeah I think just building on top of it I just uh, so
0: you know for me it's a bit different because uh, I've been part of other things uh, and for me while looking back i just you know things have been changing uh, and quite a lot and we are really happy about it and for me what what really challenges me is that whenever i'm, I'm i see your know, you know the alumni interactions and all of this i'm like how can they not care about? Uh, I mean, the, who who are graduated? That uh, how can they not care about what's happening in campus or how they could support these or how they could uh, uh, engage in all these activities? So for me, I really want to see if I I still continue contributing to TripItB in any way f- for possible. I think so, you will. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, But yeah, with with TEDx especially, I think we are in a good position, I might say. I mean, we still have a lot of learning to do. We still have uh, to get a lot of things straight. But we are in a position where we can leave it for the next coming teams to to lift. Because one thing which I'm... uh, Yeah, so always grateful is the fact that uh just the whole process taught us uh, i mean it took me and Shreya's two to three years to realize what sort of position do uh, i mean organizers play and you know uh, a lot of leadership qualities and each year there has been a new learning and and you know we have been bold with the decisions we have been taking uh for the uh, past couple of events um, so there is a lot of learning which is yet to come and we are happy that we put play, put in place the whole body system where you know the old committee members are still part of it uh, of the team and you know can there is there is a bridge between the new and the old So that definitely helps, and that definitely keeps us on our toes. And hopefully, we'll continue to
2: uh, help in, however, in whichever way possible. Among all the things you started, what is that
1: one thing you know? What are you you know most proud of?
0: So I would be really proud. I I mean, obviously, I'm proud of TEDx and uh, whatever work I've done in. the clubs so far but i think i think one one thing which uh, people or i haven't talked even this podcast is the fact that we have started and failed in doing certain things you know shreya started visual arts club and it was a massive failure i started Mm -hmm. site is a
1: very understatement
0: (laughs) yeah so i started site and it kind of died off and even the a c m student chapter I started it died off. and you know part of which yeah, so i mean we do we did fail on doing certain things, but the fact is that for me, replied Bangler is not home away from home it's it's my home i mean if you if you just look at it, you joined Triple IT Bangler right after 5 years you are not gonna stay in your play, parents place right you are moving to your individual apartment somewhere so this is your home for these 5 years and whatever you need or whatever you feel that it it needs you have to try if people join you along the way obviously it would become successful uh if not then at least you it i mean it captured someone's uh, attention or interest so even if that's one person or 10 people i think it's it's an effort which is worth putting in right so currently i think i would be really proud of say if anubhava heads off or if say this podcast heads off because this would
1: set a cycle. It is Anubhava the the the, uh, the, the writing articles. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it Anubhava? Anubhava means experience. It's in... experience. Anubhava means good experience, right? It can be bad experience also?
0: Anubhav means experience.
1: Anubhava sounds like a very positive thing. <laughs> so that's a good thing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: a good thing, right? I
0: so,
1: mean, if okay, fine
2: so the
0: yeah so i think uh, this would have if if executed properly and if we get enough responses from people i think this would be the platform which would i think it would have immense impact on students who are still in the early college years or students who are gonna join Triple I, Bangalore or any other college for that matter, because getting an internship, getting a placement is something which everyone has on their minds, and if it becomes a resource for people to find certain opportunities,
2: mm.
0: I think I think that's the, that would impact their lives in ways we can't even imagine. So it's like a whole butterfly effect thing. We can see that with lean-in, right? So lean-in girls in first year, second year, third year are getting immense opportunities right now. So I think, yeah, so that that just pushes the narrative that even the, even guys are trying to find opportunities in their first, second years, right? So this would help them find meaningful opportunities from their seniors, they would know whom to connect with, whom to ask about something. Uh, They would know which senior did where. So what are the possibilities? If Aditya Gulati did Carnegie Mellon, I think it would inspire at least five more students in the coming years to try and apply for Carnegie Mellon. Or say Max Planck or say uh, Gothenburg University, Alto University. So I think in that sense, the breadth of opportunities which it would create is the vision which I have. Because personally, when I saw IIT Bombay do something like that, I realized that even an engineering student in second or third year can apply for internships in uh, business schools, top business schools in Europe, and which I didn't really... Have that kind of exposure. If if I ha- if I had known that that was a possibility, then at least I would have tried. And that trial is what breaks or makes the deal most of the times. So that is why I think Anubhava
2: would be where I'm placing my bets at this point in time. One thing that I have observed about you is that from day one itself, you have been trying
1: to help juniors like me, Neelav, and my batchmates. And you have been, you know, very friendly. And you give good advices. So is there any good advice right now for our juniors and incoming batches? So I think what's... Yeah, I just want to go
0: back to my experience and see if I can or tell something which is worthwhile but uh, so the idea of college is that uh, after this you're not going to stay with your parents or yeah you know you'll have your own place you'll have your own workplace and a lot of climbing up the corporate ladder or or you know, even in academia is not only by how sincere or how academic or how work oriented you are but it's about how you communicate and how you interact with your peers and a lot of those interactions with your peers would be around work so you need to have a work ethic which is supported by uh, your set of peers right so for me i was very scared of getting into a room and and putting out my voice because i thought of myself as an introvert and i was shy i was staged right as hell so if i get certain attention it it became hard for me but you know i realized that i had to change this about myself when i enter college and that was the turning point in my life that i've been constantly putting effort into having conversations with people and and you know making relationships which are which are worthwhile and uh, so coming to that point i also wanted to stress on the fact that especially you know in in a college like ours where there is so much academic rigor uh you know people who want to still pursue say Uh, research oriented work you know they feel handicapped with the gpa which they uh, accumulated in the first couple of years they believe that a lot of doors close for them because they don't have a good cgpa and i think yes there are some doors which are closed because of that very fact but at the same time you need to reflect and kind of put it out there uh, with your statement of purpose and with your resume that your academic capabilities are way more than what is shown on that piece of paper. And even see, I had a GPA of 2.4 when I applied for Ericsson and I had a GPA of 2.5 if I'm not wrong when I applied for Alto University. And I was ashamed of my GPA. That you know, neither of my, uh, like neither my friends knew or my ex girlfriend knew what my GPA was. So I didn't say it out publicly unless I saw these opportunities opening up for me. Even though I had a a bad GPA, because it you need to realize that there are, uh, there is more than one way to get into these things and a lot of it for me is through my is through my work at the and rapport which i've created so there are definitely doors which are still open even if you have a uh, low gpa in general but what you need to showcase there is your interest towards that field and also show how sincere you were in the chosen field Right, So I think those those two factors play a very key role into getting any opportunity because everyone out there realizes what a GPA means and what an overall all-rounded student means. And we as students of second, third, fourth year and we as students of the Indian uh, education system, we don't realize that fact. But yes there are definitely opportunities for each and everyone uh if we look for them at the
2: right place and at the right time yeah so yes. i think that's the end yeah thank you it's the end thank of the podcast you.